Welcome to the Push Performance Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Push Performance Podcast. Uh, this is Simon, um, guest hosting today. DJ's a little out of breath. He just got off the Peloton, but he'll be in here. <laughs> <laughs> I paid you so much money for that intro. <laughs> shout out Peloton. Uh, shout out Peloton. Shout out DJ's former gut. Hey, shut up. <laughs> I, I got that. Yeah, so we got a few questions, right, Beach? And, yeah, so uh, today Ashton's going to actually – actually, oh. no, never mind. We missed the uh, – yeah, never mind. Well, yeah, we have questions. Um, what was one of the first questions we had? On Instagram. So if you have questions about our podcast, reach out to us. Yeah. yeah. One question was what to do when you have a job and you want to train and play and all the things. I think it depends on age, right? Definitely depends on age. Um, but – uh, between college guys and, and minor league guys, especially, um, we have a ton of guys that uh, it, it, training just isn't sustainable if through the offseason if they're not supplementing their income. Um, so one of our uh, actual college guys that's been in, in town catching a bunch of pro bullpens, um, he'll come in, catch bullpens for a few hours, run out and do DoorDash for a few more hours and then come back and get his lift in. So it's a super common um, thing thing we run into with guys. Um, I, I, ha- I had a job all three of my off seasons when I played pro ball. Um, I know Taylor's been hit different flavors of grindy in the past. DoorDash. Um, DoorDash. And I don't know, DJ, I mean, getting this place off the ground. I don't know if you had another job, but I'm sure you were working like 1,000 hours a week, probably. Yep. Um, so uh, I think the, the biggest thing is just um, trying to find a bang for your buck job. Um, for me, it was about trying to stay off of my feet as much as possible so that by the time I did get to the gym or get to go throw, I wasn't completely gassed um, and just trying to maximize as much as I could get out of my training while still like, Eating and living in a room. <laughs> we even have guys that have internships, right? That are they're finishing their degree because they got drafted or whatever, mm-hmm. and they want to finish it, so they have to do internships, and then it's that's like another job, right? So Absolutely, it's like a full time forty hour a week job, Absolutely. and they're not getting paid for it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's you know, it's just literally, if you want to get better, you want to get better, and this is what you have to do. Yeah. You know, and obviously we can't live off of the minor league salary. So like that DoorDash option or Uber Eats option or Uber options, the best because you're not on your feet. You're able to control your own hours, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. I think um, a couple of the creative ones we've seen in the past, uh, Darren Gillies worked as a butcher last offseason. Um, if you look at him, you know which, yeah, that's the perfect fit. Yeah. The day I met him, <laughs> the day I met him, he, he came in and he was like, yeah, I was just at work at the butcher shop. I was like, that. All of that checks out. That makes <laughs> so much sense. But that that is kind of a demanding job, right? Where it, it at times it did affect his training. And when it came down to um, he needed a job last year going into spring training. And when it when it came down to uh, to the end there, he had to take a step back from work. Um, which is it's just some of the some of the dilemmas guys face. Jeremy Rhodes is a locksmith, so he'll be like out until 3 a.m., like, letting people back into their cars, and then and then he'll be in here at 8 in the morning. Opening our door. Opening our door. Yeah, he, he, he did unlock our office door. <laughs> he did unlock our office door. Right? Um, so, 
I think two of the things those guys really learned was understanding their schedule, both throwing and lifting to be like, okay, this is the day that I, that I'm going to have it in me to really get after it. Um, and, and just finding a way. All right. Next question was, um, it was a couple of days ago, but it was yeah. roughly, um, it was a youth athlete and he was saying, when to, when, when to start taking your arm pain seriously? When if when it's just like, oh, this kind of hurts to like, whoa, I should not be throwing. Kind of the difference. Well, once you feel as that, as soon as it starts, yeah, hurting. yeah, that's what I say. As soon as you feel that arm pain, like maybe one day, like, oh, okay, like that was uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Next day, it's catch play. It's the same thing. Then that's probably when you should get looked at, right? It's not like it's wait and see if the pain's going to go away. It also depends on what kind of pain it is, right? If it's an onset pain, if it's chronic pain, if it's whatever it may be, you know, it's, there's different pains. There's, there's ulnar, there's ulnar nerve tension. There's actual tearing, there's actual frame, um, subluxations. There's tons of different things, but you know, a lot of the times the problem is with that is guys wait too long. And then also if they finally do get it looked at, they get it looked at by somebody that doesn't necessarily know what they're looking at, right. Where it's not a sports guy, right. Where you, you know, with, with us, we probably start at their neck, right? We'd start for some arm pain. We'd look at their pelvis or look at other things. The other guys would be like, all right, we're going to look at your elbow. We're going to look at your shoulder, you know? Um, so knowing, you know, first of all, knowing when to, like you said, when when is a good time is ASAP. And then also knowing to have somebody in your circle with where you can go trust. And it's more of like a sports-specific doc or PT or strength coach or whatever it may be. Absolutely. Especially with youth athletes. Right. Um, if you if you start to experience pain um, that uh, my rule of thumb is like if you can point to it with one finger, it's pain. Um, there's, if there's a spot. Right. Um, uh, but especially with youth athletes, like you need to get that checked out because it's likely something minor. And if it's minor or major, you need it fixed because missing your. 13 year old travel ball season is not the end of the world. Wait, so Stanford won't be there recruiting him? Uh, <laughs> no guarantees there. No I, uh, I do not think so. I did not re- get recruited at 13. Uh, you probably weren't very good then. I wasn't very good. Um, but uh, that's not an age to play through pain, right? If you're like, uh, 10 year minor league vet and you're just trying to get another job and like trying to crack the big leagues. First of all, you're a big boy and you can make your own decisions, but also like the stakes have changed, right? Um, only bad things can happen from playing through pain at 11 or 13. Right. Um, and you're just kicking the can down the road to make it, to make a worse decision afterwards. Um, I'm follow up to that. Like you said, Deej, um, if you're going to get checked out, get checked out by somebody who deals with throwers, um, because they will, first of all, have a much better idea of the range of things that could be going on. And so you're much like, much more likely to get really good information. And second of all, they will understand the rest and recovery process and then a return to throw progression because the answer is not don't play baseball for three months and then just start playing baseball again. Right. Um, that's, 
that's the kind of thing that leads to things popping back up, right? And that it it's also the kind of thing that uh, like a general practitioner is not going to have a full concept of is that like, okay, like if you like break your ankle, you stay off of it for a while and then you start of yeah. like you just kind of start walking as tolerated. Yeah, you're, right? not address, you're not addressing the kinematics of the joint, right? Or right. You're addressing the fact that you don't get proper scapular rotation due to the fact that your thorax is displaced because of your pelvis, because of your foot. You know, it's not, they're not looking at that kind of concept of it where, you know, Nick and Austin do a good job. Our strength staff does a good job of that. But, you know, you toot our own horn there, but like, it's true, you know, and then you go to, like you said, you go to a general practitioner or a general chiropractic or a general PT, and it's like, hey, onset pain in the shoulder, let's address the shoulder, right? right. Just stem it, needle it, and send you off. They don't address the right. kinematics of the joint. They don't address the, the movement quality of it. And, you know, go, go from there. And it becomes binary, right? Yeah. It's either play baseball or do not play baseball, right? That's yep. especially when you're coming back from injury. That's not a, that's not, it's not binary, right? Okay. There's, there's, there's a process to coming back. And especially for young kids, right? Like go play first base or left field, like on your way back. And maybe you're not pitching yet. Um, and then, uh, there's there's tons of places all across the country where you can get really good baseball specific advice. Damn near every state, I would say now at this yeah, point. Right? Absolutely, and um, and you need a holistic return to play uh, progression that's going to involve physical therapy and it's going to involve the weight room. And doesn't involve a ready to print program saying ten throws at thirty feet. 10 throws at 40 feet, you know? Right, that was written for a 28-year-old. Exactly. Or written 28 years ago. Exactly. <laughs> you know? exactly. But going off that, too, is like, you know, at 13 years old, right, like, you don't think you're getting hurt now, but, like, down the road you are, right? And like, I like to use the analogy, it was like, you smoke a pack of cigarettes for 10 years every single day, like, which cigarette gave you cancer down the road, right? It's not what that one throw tore my UCL, right? That one cigarette didn't give me cancer. It's an accumulation of all those packs of cigarettes that I was smoking, right? So you got to take take that into account where it's like, is this throw at 13-year-old, you know, w, WWBA championship worth it, right? So just like knowing knowing the cost, knowing the, the risk-reward of it. Absolutely. And to sort of wrap, wrap that up on the risk-reward aspect, I am a personal example of having had a minor injury, changing my arm action to make it not hurt and becoming bad at baseball. Right. Like that, like that is my story. Um, I got hurt. I figured out a way to make throwing not hurt. And I went from a usable and probably not projectable 89 to 92 to 86 to 88. And then my baseball career was over. Right. And so if you scale that back to your 11 year olds, your 13 year olds, your 15 year olds, or in my case, your 24 year olds, right, that even even if it's not the injury, the pain that makes you not the baseball player you wanted to be, a lot of times the compensations you make for, you make for that pain might be what ends your baseball career or might be what just makes you a high school baseball player and nothing more. Yeah, that, right. another another piece of that is like not having the ability to have guys like yourself or, or Taylor, right, where you guys talk every single day and apply that return to throw program, mm -hmm. you know, 
And like you said, you just had to change the way you threw so it didn't hurt. You probably didn't utilize the resources or have the resources of the people like Taylor or yourself, right? Exactly. Even, yeah, even like going past like the arm, like the shoulder and the elbow and forearm and stuff like that, like well, you, a lot of times when guys come in, they have arm issues. Generally, it could also start from somewhere else. Like you talked about the neck. We also had a guy come in that had really, really bad low back pain and then three months later ended up turning into TJ. So like things like that, like even if like, oh, it's not my arm, it's my back, like down the road, that can put a lot of damage on the arm as well. Um, I'm in front of like your inability to rotate or move your hips and stuff like that. And just like you were saying, trying to avoid pain and changing up and building out bad habits that'll may not hurt you at 13, but they're going to hurt you at 16, 17, 18 years old. Like I think the only school. person I've ever seen change the way they throw and have a lot of success is Tyler Rogers. Like, right? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, like, can you think of anybody else? His wasn't because of pain, like, right? His was a drastic change, too. Yeah. It's not a small change. No. <laughs> right? But, like, his wasn't because of pain. It was like, hey, like, yeah, I'm 88, 90, 91, but I'm not good over the top, you know? And being able to to address, like, the, the movement capabilities of being able to drop down and being able to address the, the movement capabilities of staying healthy when you're dropping down, right? It's not just, you know, not about being unhealthy and changing your arm action, it's about being healthy and changing your arm action, being able to do that too, you know? So it's like, you gotta have a team to, to help you build that out, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. Yeah, I was talking to Casey today and Casey kind of, he moved his arm angle, like not a lot, but it was just, it was originally pretty high and he just lowered it to, I don't know, I wouldn't even, it's probably higher than a high three quarters, but it's, but he lowered it a little bit and Velo ended up jumping and his arm was way healthier than it had ever been. It's just like, some things like that, like a lot of guys will change arm slots and change positions to get away from pain, and then it doesn't always help. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. What, do you, what do you see the reason why that would happen to a guy? To like have a lower arm slot to throw harder? I think um, Ben Brewster with Tread Athletic, Athletics actually has a really good point about this. It's like you're going to throw the hardest out of your natural arm slot. Um, and find it. Baseball is going to value certain things, vertical break, these kind of things, and you can manipulate the movement profile of the baseball based on your arm angle, lateral trunk tilt, all this different stuff, right? Um, the same thing, but but I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole. Uh, but but uh, if what we're after is healthy velocity then the most important thing is being in that that groove that your body finds natural, right? And um, I mean, Casey threw an electric ball today. So uh, good job, Casey. <laughs> yeah, that's like the second time we've talked about this today, in the last five minutes, actually. Yeah. It was that good. I missed it. It was that good, huh? That's insane. That's awesome. That's good. Good job, coach. Good job, coach. Oh, it wasn't me. It was them. Yeah. Shout, out, shout out the Corey, twins too for Corey changing to Simon, your guys are a step ahead of my guys right now. So. All of Taylor's athletes are fun. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> totally false. You know that. Yeah, you're right. It's eight miles now. It was higher. But. I was just giving you another question. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Next, next question. question. This one kind of bases off that. Um, it just was, how is our throwing program different? Simon. <laughs> um, I think. Uh, what makes our throwing program different is um, is twofold. First, first of all, for me as the director of pitching, having access to 
um, all the information and knowledge that our strength coaches um, have in their brains and collect on our athletes um, is extremely beneficial um, in terms of myself and Andrew um, knowing what we can realistically ask each of the athletes to do um, and what they might be good at, what, what they might be bad at, whether or not we can cue them into a movement or uh, pattern in a movement using plyo care, or if we just need to give that time in the weight room because that's they're not moving in that way right now, or they might not move that way ever. And then the other thing is having Nextera in-house as well. Um, same thing, right? First of all, a ton of our guys just get regular maintenance physical therapy, which allows us to get so much more accomplished um, because uh, they're just generally feeling better. They're, um, they're uh, recovering better. Um, anytime anything pops up at all, however minor, it gets addressed right away. Um, and then uh, Andrew and I have constant communication with Austin uh, Riff and Nick Thurlow when he's in town, um, just talking about what kind of stuff their guys are working on on the table, um, putting that together with what kind of stuff they're working on in the weight room. And for me, the throwing program should just be the finished product where we get to put all that together, right? Um, and so we do a lot of stuff that's that's really um, – based in, in a lot of the similar science to other really, really good training places around the country. Um, and I think what, what sets us apart is the three-headed monster, if you will, of strength, PT, and throwing. I think, I think the biggest concept we live by, Simon, you and I talk about all the time, is like movement dictating the function, right? Like the function of the, of the thrower. And whether moving, dictates the way they throw, obviously, and what pitch capabilities they have and what, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, not just the strength side, but like the movement quality side of things. That's the most important thing, in my opinion, uh, on our throwing program. It's like, hey, like, you know, his back ankle is, isn't staying connected to the rubber. We got to do this. So he's lacking hip extension. He's not getting down the mountain fast enough kind of thing, right? And be able to accomplish that with a three-headed monster, like you just said, that's, I think, what separates us the most for sure. Absolutely. And truly doing a customized program. Absolutely. And like, to be clear, we're talking about movement, um, movement quality with guys that are very, very strong. Like, um, yeah, like, like walk into our gym and decide if you want to fight us, it wouldn't be a good idea. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I know I was, I know you couldn't talk to one of the guys today, but I was talking to Webby and he looked over and he goes, God, I wish I looked like Gillies. Yeah, that's that's why DJ keeps opening up opening up the garage doors even when it's so cold is because half our guys don't fit through regular doors. That's true. But they look good in uniform, you know? So, so it matters. Who cares if they suck at baseball? They look good. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's, that's a good question. Taylor, you got anything on that one? Oh, that's a great question. Good question. Um, you said there was one about culture. Mm -hmm. Shout out Dylan Rowe. <laughs> Shout out Dylan about Rowe. Culture. I think this episode's actually brought to you by Tall and Tapered. Yeah, and also oh. Peloton. And, Pel and well, Peloton. And DJ's Peloton. Just the one, the one specific Peloton. For real though. Shout out to Tall and Tapered for making me my own pant. Yeah. Yeah. I have a Tall and Tapered pant. 
I'm not tall. Half the size of the normal pants, but... He lost money yeah. because he cut it in half. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan's starting the tall and tapered youth line. For 12-year-old boys that are over I have a hat, seven. too. I made it. I yeah, made all it. of our programs have tall and tapered. Yeah. Um, Bro, what was that? Culture, culture. Dylan's <laughs> about culture. Um, I think what we just explained is essentially where our culture is, right? From the professional side of things, right? Where it's the culture is learning and and teaching and buy-in, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. That's that's the culture. But for me, like for as you know, you being a coach in, in an org, like what sets the culture in the org? Is it the player or is it the, the manager, right? Or is it the, the, the coach? So you gotta look at it for us, like we control who comes in the door, right? Mm-hmm. So so to me, it's like the players are what sets the culture, but at the same time, like Taylor, you dictate who you want to work with, right? I dictate who I want to work with, you know, and we know if a guy's not a good fit, I was, we, as we've seen this off season, right? If a guy's not a good fit, like we tell him it's not a good fit, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like an application process or anything, but by, by, right. by all means, and not our way or the highway, but it's, it takes a little bit of buy-in on both ends of the spectrum to get that, that culture aspect. I think for I think so for sure, um, and I think one of the things I'm most proud about uh, about how how we operate in here is just is just the lack of ego, um, and I think one of the things that I have been so impressed with with you, Deej, and Taylor since I started here, Brandon, all the guys, is um, I think we do do a good job of setting the tone of where like we're not protective of our area right and that's why we can have such productive conversations you and i about how a guy might be moving in the weight room um that's why i'm willing to just come and ask you you're willing to come and ask me um what's going on in in our respective areas of expertise right and i think because our our gym space is so wide open guys see those conversations happening all the time and it just becomes part of the culture is like, we just ask each other questions and guys start asking each other questions. Mm-hmm. And you've got, you've got guys holding the radar, holding the pocket radar for each other to throw medicine balls or plyo balls or whatever they're doing and taking film of each other. And like, you know, just hanging out and talking baseball, talking, pitching, and reviewing the film together, reviewing the f- film together and be like, Hey, what are you, what are you working on here? Yep. Um, one of our uh, pro free agents, Brack Warren, um, is working on a similar adjustment with his glove side to Darren Gillies. And what what I told him was like, hey, go talk to Gillies because he's two weeks ahead of you in this adjustment and it's working, right? And that fostering those conversations amongst our athletes, um, I think is how you get them to really understand their own process, first of all, and then you've got them rooting for each other, right? Once that conversation happens, now the next time Brack gets off the bump, Gilly's is gonna have eyes on him, right? And they're gonna be rooting for each other. Yep. And I that's- mean, We have that couch back there and it's always full. It's up. always full. With yep. dudes that are not waiting to throw bullpen. No, I'm like, they are just, you gonna work out? They have to their left, they stop and go up. Yeah. yeah, and you know, like that's, uh, that's something I think that, that gets fostered first and foremost by everybody's lack of ego in the room, just being willing to learn from each other, which I think is super tight. I think that's you hit, hit nail on the head too. It's like a player first mentality, right? Where it's what's best for the athlete, 
and that, whether that be in the weight room or on the mound or at home for them, but, you know, we're there for them no matter what it is. And you know, they can always ask us for favors and, you know, it's, we've become, become a big family, mm-hmm. you know, and every year, thank God that our, our family's growing. Right. And, yeah. and just guys, you know, it, it's exciting for them to come in every off season and see the same faces on the coaching staff, right. Where you go to other facilities, it's like, Hey, this is my new intern. This right. is another new intern. This is a new coach rollover new coach you know mm-hmm. what i mean so for us like i wanted to invest time in to you guys or time and money into you guys where you want to be here yeah you know and so that that's what builds the culture there is like familiar familiarity is that right for sure that's yeah that's it right yeah and I, <laughs> big word for me <laughs> I, think, I think science major I'm gonna, this is the last nice thing i'm going to say about you dj but we open every morning at 10 and you are here every morning at 8 30 or 9 right and there's a group of our of our guys that take advantage of that right because because that's like that's just kind of the, the place that this is right mm-hmm. i i swung by my family was in town over thanksgiving and they wanted to see this place so i came in at 8 a.m on the friday after thanksgiving and jordan had opened the place up for casey yep right like that's those are the kind of things that happen here um for the like for the guys when they when they need something, mm-hmm. right? Um, and uh, I think they they start to treat each other that way, which I just I think is just awesome. For sure, where you got culture? Yeah, the guy, the guy. Yeah, the, the one thing that I've seen more is that guys like hanging out with each other, like the athletes, like hanging out with each other outside of the gym. I like, think this is the most of any offseason mm-hmm. I've ever had. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, guys are building like legit relationships Friendship. here. Well, Friend- yeah. Friendships that you will... gotta think too, right? How many guys actually live here from Arizona? Not they come here not knowing a single soul, right? Yeah. And they walk away with lifelong best friends they mm-hmm. see on the field they're playing against. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like the guys in Arizona knew these guys. Like we have what maybe um, five to maybe 10 guys from the state of Arizona yeah. in the pro group. Yeah. Would you say? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. We have almost a hundred guys in the pro group. I'd say. Some come up from Tucson even. Which yeah. is so it's like guys move here, not knowing anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're forced to become friends. And then they found, wow, like that's sweet. Like we're going to hang out all the time. Like, Start talking about past ABs against each other. Yeah. And all that. I heard that conversation today. Like, Do you remember facing me like three years ago? And he's like, Honestly, no, but I remember playing your team. Like, yeah. Like just relation, like uh, like conversations like that, or like we. I'm hearing a lot more this off season than we did last year, which is a lot of fun because everything keeps growing. Yeah, even and, last year during the season, because I'm on the Instagram side, yeah. you'd see like them on the field, different teams, and like tag push, yeah. which was cool, which is sweet to see. So I know we had a lot of guys in the trash pandas. <laughs> the trash, trash pandas. pandas. <laughs> so yeah, I mean in Colorado though, like you know we have about thirty guys. And they're all close, right? But they all, they, a lot of those guys have been working out together for years. Mm-hmm. You know, and it wasn't just like an instant bond like it is here. But it's like that's over time coming in, seeing Grant, Joe, and Chris every single offseason, right? Knowing what they're going to get every offseason. And, you know, then now Joe's training, you know, a couple guys, family, family members, their wives. You know, that he created this wives group. So it's like a family thing now. Cool. And that's like, that's the biggest thing. That's what I've always wanted. I. I would, like, your dad always makes fun of me. Like I would do this shit for free, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, I can't. But like, 
I would do this shit for free because I love it. You know, your dad gets mad at me about that. But <laughs> um, before the Peloton somehow. <laughs> and the tall and taper. No, yeah. tall and taper is free. Shout out to Dylan Rowe. Yeah. <laughs> he was product testing the youth line. <laughs> All size line, right? He's surprised as a waist 32. Shout out Peloton. Shout out Peloton. <laughs> Shout out. And light body uh, And your wonderful wife cooking you beautiful meals. She does. She How often yeah. Yes. She crushes it. Yeah, but like that's how you should eat, Taylor. Talk about what Taylor I'm not eats. on a I'm not on a I'm not on a <laughs> diet. I just eat healthy. Just eat whatever's in sight. Whatever's cheapest at Walmart. Taylor should be one of those what I eat in a day. Taylor, Taylor, Taylor are you still crushing gummy bears? No. Shut no. that down. More cereal. More bagels. Yeah. Ooh, lots yeah. Of bagels. Yeah, lots of bagels. Yeah. Dude, Taylor eats a bagel a day. Sometimes and he like a sandwich, like not two bagels like a and two protein shakes a day. Yeah, honestly, that's a culture problem. I think letting Taylor have just like dry bagels with nothing on them. <laughs> like we let him get away with that for too long. How many times a day do you get talked to about that? Every day when I walk exactly. in. Exactly. Yeah. It's not a culture problem. Guy Every day when I walk in. holding him accountable. Yeah, yeah, he just doesn't give a shit. It's, it's, <laughs> nope, it's going to be the same problem. thing next offseason. When the guys come in, you're going to see me with a plain bagel in my hand. You got Brandon and Jordan on the muffin and a cup things, yep. too. Did I get you on that in Colorado? No. No, no I, I didn't, didn't do that. that. I was like, when I was at work at like 4.30 in the morning, that was my shit. They smell so good, so I'm not mad about it. What time do you? 4.30. In the morning? Yeah. You were working then? Yeah. That's well, I dropped he doesn't sleep. <laughs> Shit, last night I didn't sleep. <laughs> All right. I think that that was... Do we have any more questions? Oh, I'm in. How long is the podcast? Right? 30 minutes. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 Yeah.